Here the Turtle is presented by Toyota. Toyota helps you get the most out of your drive. Just ask a friend who drives one. Shop buyatoyota.com, Toyota's official website for deals, to find the Toyota that's right for you. Toyota, let's go places. Len Elmore will be at center, 6'9", senior from Springfield Gardens, New York. He's uh, their all-time champion rebounder, averaging 14-8 this year. Uh, I said uh, choosing Maryland was the best decision I ever made. And, um, you know, I still believe to this day it contributed to a lot of the success that I've had. He's rejected by Lewis. Lewis can block a few of them. He's blocked 41 this year. Well, listen, he set, he set a record last year with 99 shots that he blocked, 10 in one game alone. Jones out of the And I still now, 16 years later, you know, I still get that. You know, pull my Jones type of thing, and it brings back a lot of good memories. Ravis Vasquez, the player of the year in the ACC. Yes, and a foul. They're let me see my DNA for sure. Like, I, I represent and breathe, and, and I love it. When you love something and you're passionate about something, you, everything else is much easier. You're listening to Hear the Turtle. Your hosts are Taylor Slife and Keith Snedden. It's Monday, October 19th, 2020. It's Hear the Turtle presented by Toyota and Keith. We are back with another edition of our Maryland Record Breakers series presented by our friends at Chesapeake Employers Insurance. And it is the wizard, the legend, Walt Williams. One of, I think, everybody's favorite Terps of all time holds all kinds of records. If you want to talk about a bucket, Walt Williams was a bucket. Single season points with 776. Single season scoring average at 26.8 a game. 30-point games in a season. Consecutive 30-point games. We could go on and on and on, and we do in our interview with Walt. We talk about it all. Keith, one of the really special men in the history of this program, an incredible player, an incredible ambassador. What is Walt Williams sort of mean to you you've now been able to build a relationship with him in your role that you have um just speak about him a little bit yeah uh you can't look down at the floor at a maryland basketball game pregame without seeing walt williams walking around talking to 15 different people uh holding court down on the xfinity center floor and you know every time you, you talk to him you feel like you're the most important person he's, he's coming into contact with that day and i think that's why he means so much to to maryland fans and to maryland basketball um just the aura he brings just the presence that he has and um you know now uh, we're so fortunate to have him as a part of our uh you know maryland radio team uh, night in and night out and uh, uh, you know at every home game he's just you know one of the most consistent um you know you know, guys you, you'd want to have and i think that you know, he's personified in his basketball game, just how consistent he was uh, for Maryland in those years, those 20 point games. And uh, we've said it once, you'll say it a hundred times, Taylor, kind of helped save Maryland basketball and put the program uh, and get the program back into that national relevance and kind of lay the foundation and lay the seeds for, for Gary Williams to eventually have all the success he did with the teams down the road. Yeah, and Gary will say it, I think, anytime he gets a chance to about Walt, whether he's tweeting it from his Twitter, whether he's saying in an interview, is that Walt, he will continue to say, Walt Williams saved Maryland basketball. And he had that big effect. And like you said, he is just always smiling around the arena and just is a great energy when he comes in. As you've talked about a lot, and you've gone through more of these video clips than I have when we do this, you watch Walt Williams' game and, and just, you know, he was his, his final season – 
you know, 91, 92 is the year, you know, I was born, you were born in 91. So like we, we straddled that year. Um, and watching him play, he's almost a little before his time as like a point forward that could really shoot. I mean, that's the type of guy, I mean, you, you know, I don't want to like put this lofty comparison, but like, that's what LeBron James brings to the table. A guy that sure. can handle the ball for, at that size and can shoot. And, and you see guys like Durant that can do that now at six eleven, and Giannis and all these different guys. And Walt Williams is a guy that could play point guard at six, eight and fill it up from every spot on the floor as a shooter. And you wonder if he was now in the game with the way everything is spaced and things like that and things aren't as clogged up. I mean, who the hell knows what he could have done now? He was scoring 26 points a game then. I think his game really could have fit into any area of basketball. And as you look through history, that's a hard thing to find as you go farther and farther back. Um, So really a really cool guy to be able to go back and watch the YouTube clips and watch some of the clips we have archived here. Just, Just watch how he played and was the focus of every team's defense every game, and they just kept giving him the ball, and he just kept scoring. It's really an amazing, amazing run. In an ACC in that era that was so strong, obviously ACC was as strong as, as ever all the time, but specifically then, you know, in those 91-92, you had great North Carolina teams, you had great Georgia Tech teams, you had great Duke teams, and Walt could fill it up against all of them. So a pretty special guy to be able to talk to and a guy that means so much, I know, to so many of our fans. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to our interview with the wizard, Walt Williams. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. We're back here on Here the Turtle with the legend, the wizard, Walt Williams. And Walt, we're going to first jump into your Maryland career records. And there's really too many to count here. Needless to say, you could pretty much fill it up from anywhere on the court. So I'm just going to jump through some of these. You hold the Maryland single season record for points with 776. Single season scoring average with Keith. I I read this like six times, 26.8 points a game, which just sounds outrageous for college. 11 30-point games in that season. You had seven straight 30-point games. You had 14 30-point games in your career. You had 26 20-point games in your season. <laughs> uh, there's like four more. I'm going to stop it right there. The greatest <laughs> score in Maryland history is very much up for debate, Walt, but you can definitely claim the best scoring season in Maryland history, your senior season. What, just what were you feeling like throughout that entire year? You had had a great junior year before that. How did you take it to that next level as a senior? Well, I mean, I, I just I gotta give a lot of credit to you know the people surrounding me, my coaching staff, and, and my teammates. You know, uh, Gary Williams, um, he did a great job in just installing confidence in me, and you know, just the ridiculous plays he used to run for me, which is crazy, you know. And and it it inspired me. It it made me confident, more confident in myself. Um, he would say things to me that just made me uh, believe that he he thought that I was the best player in the country, and, and and so that inspired me. But also my teammates, because I knew in in high school we all were great players, and and for for my teammates to sacrifice, I mean, people really uh, gravitate to um, the offensive part of things. I mean, it's a lot of different stats out there, or a lot of different uh, things that go into a team's uh, success. 
but scoring is the, the one that everyone identifies with the most. And, and so uh, it, it's, it's, it's sort of a sacrifice you have to make as a as a teammate in order for someone like me to put up those type of numbers and uh, just taking pride in setting screens and, you know, things like that. And I can say it was many times in that stretch when you mentioned uh, I had seven uh, or 11 30-point games in that season, uh, seven of them in a row. Um, I can tell you it was many times, maybe only maybe the first two games I, I, uh, after the game, I, I could look at the stat sheet and see that I had 30-something. But after that, when I would walk into the locker room, my teammates would let me know how many points I had before I would even know myself. Sometimes my man Frank Horton, you know, during the course of the game, he would say to me sometimes, <laughs> leaving out of a timeout, and, you know, he would say, hey, man, you, you only got 24 points. You got seven minutes left. You know, something crazy like that. <laughs> just to ease the tension of the game, you know, and things like that, man. So it just – those type of things really uh, made me feel like uh, uh, it was okay to go out there and, and uh, be aggressive on the offensive end and, and, and hunt for shots and, and things of that nature, knowing that uh, those guys were, were sacrificing a bit. Do you remember doing anything different that offseason leading into it? Obviously, you have sort of the NBA prospects staring you in the face there. You're trying to have a good senior season. Do you remember what your preparation was for that senior year? Well, I know in, in my junior year, um, I had come off a leg injury. I missed uh, probably like half of the season. Um, I came back for about the last two or three games, and I was limping around out there because I just wanted to play so bad. You know, after sitting on the sideline 14, 15, 16 games, I just wanted to play. And so that following season, I just had that thirst of getting back out there uh, uh, so bad because of uh, the the games, uh, so many games that I had missed the previous season. And plus, when I came back, it just I just didn't feel uh, the dominant presence that I, that I wanted to, to, to leave the university with. And, and so I felt like um, I wanted to come full steam ahead in that following season and uh, just show my work. Well, your first three seasons at Maryland, you attempted a combined 189 three-pointers. Senior, senior season comes along, you attempted a school record 240 threes, which by today's standards, that's a lot of three-point shots. I mean, was, was it just Coach Williams giving you the green light that senior year to, hey, if you've got an open shot, take it? What kind of led you to, to developing that outside game? Man, that thing was ultra green, man. That light was, that light was so bright, it was unreal. But I'm going to tell you something, you know, uh, just kind of alluding to what I said earlier, you know, just having the support of your, your coaches and your teammates. And, you know, I, I, I remember this one game we played against uh, Duke. It was in my – I think it was in my senior year. And um, we, we were down a bit. And uh, we went into a huddle and, and – and Coach Williams drew up a play where I come off, I would come off of a down screen from off the block. Uh, the big would be at the three-point line on the wing. I would be on the block, and he would come down and set a screen, and Kevin McClinton would come give me a dribble handoff. So it was almost like when I got the, the ball in my hand on the dribble handoff, my back was to the basket. And so I was to catch the ball, turn my body, go up into my jump shot all in one motion from the three-point line. And it was kind of, in my mind at that time, we, we were down uh, double, double digits and it was kind of late in the game. It was kind of a desperation and trying to get up 
uh, threes to get back into the game. But after that game, the next day in practice and, f- and from that point on, uh, when we would go through plays, that play was in- implemented. It was a normal play for us now. And I just thought to myself, I mean, do he expect me to get this ball? It was almost like a 360, uh, uh, 180-degree jump shot, you know, uh, uh, from the three-point line. And it was a a normal play now. And so those type of things, man, really inspired me, and it made me – uh, my confidence level go to a whole nother level, man. And, and and that was probably one of the biggest reasons why I was able to have a lot of success. But also, too, a big point uh, for me was uh, when I got switched to being a point guard, um, it allowed me to uh, – uh, to take a different mental approach to the game. I would start to see plays uh, for the whole play and not just what I was supposed to do within the play. So now when we would draw plays or we would execute plays, I saw it from a coach's point of view. I, I saw what everyone was doing as opposed to just me. And so that gave me, ultimately they gave me an advantage because after a while, I didn't even, when I would call a play, I didn't even have to pay attention to where everyone was. I was I was now concentrating on where the defensive player was, and I could tell if they were out of position. So now I started to see what was going to happen before it happened. And so that took me to another level as well. When you made that transition to be to play the point, what was that like? Like at that point, a big point guard wasn't really the norm yeah. at all, whereas now you have that a little bit more. You have the point forward. Guys like LeBron are bringing the ball up anytime they want. What what? How did you sort of pat or who did you pat in your game after at that point as sort of a bigger guard? Um, and how did you change your play? And you sort of went into it there a little bit from going from you know more of a, a three or a four into being a, a point guard. Well, yeah, I was in high school, man. I was a four or five, but um, I played for a high school coach in Earl Hawkins, who was uh, really open to being able to let me uh, play out on the perimeter as well. Up until high school, I had never played on a team before in an organized situation. So I was a street ball player up until high school. So there's no positions out there. If all you can do is post up and street ball, you're not going to get the ball that much. So, <laughs> so, so um, you know, just being able to get the ball and and, and push it and, and, uh, and, and increase my uh, guard skills out there on the blacktop, that really was an advantage for me um, uh, transitioning into an organized situation. And then now, uh, and, then, and once that happened and, and I was able to be a point guard out there, you know, Coach Wade, uh, in, in my freshman year, it was against North Carolina, they would do a run and jump and trap. And so he allowed me to play point guard in that game because I could see over the top of the trap and make that initial pass that would lead to a, a four on three for the rest of the uh, that half of the court. And so uh, um, I had my confidence built by by the time my sophomore year came. And so when Coach Williams uh, allowed me to the transition into being a point guard and bringing the ball up, up court, I was already used to that from just being on the blacktop and, and playing the game that way. So that I was very familiar and used to that. And, and then it was just awesome to see after that 
that you started to see uh, the the floodgates open. You started to see guys from this area, six five, six six, and above, not being pigeonholed into being on the block, but being able to explore all facets of their game. And, and so I, I I really felt like I opened up the floodgates for that to happen, uh, transitioning into a point guard position and being a a true point guard, not just a big a big forward who can handle the ball, but somebody who can run the offense, who can set things up, who can pass guys open, you know, just being a true point guard out there. So um, I, I think the floodgates opened after that. Well, let's dive into the record that you're known most well for. That's the seven straight 30-point games. And it needs to be mentioned, the two games prior to that streak, 28 points and 25 points. So you, I, it was was slacking. I was slacking, man. It, it, was, it was coming. It was coming. <laughs> Uh, but, I mean, so many guys can have that single game where they're locked in, everything feels right, they, they pour in 30-plus, whatever it is. But to do it over an extended period of time, I mean, what was that month like for you, looking back, kind of uh, how did you put it all together, night in and night out? I mean, it, it was crazy, man. I mean, you know, most of those games, I didn't even know I had that, that, that those points until I, I walked in the locker room and one of my teammates uh, would tell me it was just just in the flow of the game and, and just doing what I can to, to try to win. And, and so um, it, it, it was just it's, – it's hard to explain. I mean, even in practices during that time frame, it was just – I was just hot, man. And uh, I remember this one game we played against uh, – Clemson at home, and um, I can just remember before just shooting around before that game, I, I could just feel, I could just feel like uh, I, I was in this rhythm before the game, uh, just shooting it from a long distance, and I didn't take many shots that game. I don't believe because I just wanted to bottle that. I didn't want it to go away because uh, it was it wasn't it, it was this feeling that I had uh, before the game, and uh, man. Uh, I just remember shooting the ball so well in that game uh, with some uh, – Clemson had some really, really physical defenders, and they had guys who were a good size that could chase me off screens and things of that nature. So, But but that particular game, man, I just felt really hot. And, and, and pretty much that whole month, I just, I just felt like um, I was able to shoot the ball well from the outside, which opened up everything else, my ability to get to the basket. And, and uh, you know, I had guys who could pass the ball well, and, you know, just uh, catching alley-oops. Uh, you know, Vince Broadnax, uh, Kevin McClendon, all those guys could, could throw alley-oops well. So it didn't matter who had the ball in their hand, I could go to the basket. You know, so, so guys really could pass the ball, and we were very uh, team-oriented. So... Um, that, that helped me stay into that rhythm for a long period of time. As that streak's going on, are you – and the, you're getting more and more national attention. Did you kind of just stay in the flow of it all, or were you kind of looking around and being like, wow, this is, this is something kind of special that a lot of people are noticing? Uh, no, nah, man, I definitely stayed in the zone for sure. Uh, you know, going into every game, uh, it, it was they, – they, they didn't talk about it a lot, but for myself, I just tried to stay grounded and focused on the game. Um, my whole career, I, I never really focused on going to the NBA and, and those type of aspirations. For me, it was uh, um, just walking in, into the gym and, and feeling that environment and, 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 and seeing all the people in the gym. And, and my goal was to show everybody who was watching that day that I was the baddest dude on the court. And, and that's what it was about for me. That particular day and those moments, uh, uh, just making it happen when I can. We'll be right back to our Maryland basketball record breakers interview. But first, a word from our sponsor, Chesapeake Employers Insurance. 
Chesapeake Employers Insurance is a proud partner of University of Maryland Athletics. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM-best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. That's CEIWC.com. Well, you guys upset number 23 Florida State late in that season. You had 38 points in that game. Obviously, from a team success perspective, you guys were still rebuilding under Coach Williams. You were kind of at the beginning of that. But what did that specific win mean to you guys? Oh, man, it it was huge because, you know what, we had played them uh, uh, earlier in the season as well at home, and I believe I had 39 in that one. You know, so uh, I really got it up for Florida State. They had a lot of talent, you know, uh, Dobart, uh, Doug Edwards, Sam Cassell, Sarah, uh, Charlie Ward. I mean, they had a host of uh, uh, NBA guys, and and they were just so talented that they were new coming into uh, the ACC, relatively new uh, back then. And so uh, I I just wanted to make an impression. It was something about that that team right there. Sam, you know, a Baltimore guy, you know, I always wanted to to play well against him. But also I just wanted to uh, make an impression on Florida State. They were new to the league, and so I just wanted them to know how tough it was going to be. What was your relationship like with, with Coach Williams? Obviously, you, you could have, after, after Coach Wade departed and, and you go through all of the, the sanctions and things like that, I think you and he have always talked about how strong your guys' relationship was. Sort of t- talk us through you initially meeting him when he came in and then that, how that relationship blossomed. Well, man, I was bitter about how uh, Coach Wade, how he he exited. And so uh, that was really the only reason why I even entertained the notion of of leaving. Um, And, and, you know, I I didn't really uh, uh, make it, put it to the forefront of my mind, but that was the only reason why I entertained it because, entertained it because I was was, uh, frustrated in in the way uh, things went with with Coach Wade. Um, But... Uh, when Coach Williams came to uh, to the university, uh, an advantage he had and the coaching staff had is that I had established a relationship uh, with my teammates, and they were like brothers to me. Um, I didn't feel like it was uh, uh, in my nature to to walk away because of a tough situation. And so, uh, Coach uh, Coach Williams, uh, Coach Perry, Coach Hahn, those guys cemented things for me. They came to my home and talked about how. Uh, they would make me a focal point of the team and, and how they felt like uh, um, uh, my talent um, would, would be increased uh, under their tutelage. And, and I believed in that. And uh, throughout my career, Coach Williams was so inspirational for me. Uh, he, he was a tough coach, man. It was the thing about him, it was no uh, nonsense, no nothing fake about him at all. He was very real. He was very genuine. And so when I had these feelings of, uh, man, this, this guy, like, like I mentioned earlier, the plays he would run for me, 
the things he would say to me. I remember in a Clemson, and we was playing Clemson one year down in Clemson, and I started off the game maybe like 0 for 7 or 0 for 9 or something. And uh, one possession, I passed up an open uh, open jump shot, and he called a timeout, and he met me out in the middle of the court, and he really laid into me about that. The only chance we're going to have to win is if I be aggressive and, and maintain confidence. And I thought the dude was crazy. You know, I'm like, <laughs> dude, you ain't just see, I missed like 8 or 9 straight shots. What are you talking about? So, but, uh, you know, it just made me feel like this, this dude think I'm a bad dude, man. And, and uh, that was motivating for me. I tried to prove him right every time I stepped on the court because I, I thought this genuine guy right here, there's nothing fake about this guy, and he believed in me. And uh, I did not take that for granted at all. I wanted to prove him right. And, and that was so motivating for me. Every single game, every practice I stepped out into. And, and so I, I just wanted to basically just show him Every time I stepped on a, out on the court, whoever was around, uh, people jogging around the top in practices, there could be two or three people in that practice. I wanted to show them that Coach Williams thought that I was the baddest dude, so I am. You know, and, and those were the type of things that elevated me and, 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 and took me to the next level. Well, you're a guy who's, who's come out of the DMV and has seen – the sport of basketball just blossomed in this area uh, for decades and decades. All the talent that's come out of here and the documentaries, you know, Kevin Durant with a, a recent one coming out, um, just kind of chronicling the, the game and its history in this area. Uh, you know, what does it mean to you uh, to be a basketball player you know, from the DMV? And, you know, what, what does it take for a guy, um, you know, to, to come out of it and, and be regarded and lauded as one of the, one of the greats, or one of the best, um, you know, to come out of the area? <laughs> Oh, man, um, it's a lot of things, but I would say probably one of the top is, is resiliency, uh, mentally and physically. Um, you know, I, I remember as a kid just playing uh, against a whole host of talent wherever you went. And it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't just a test of your basketball still skills, but your toughness as well. Um, guys will challenge your toughness, your mentality out there if you won't be tough enough to, to handle the heat. Um, so it wasn't just about basketball. You had to be mentally tough out there as well. And I mentioned it earlier, um, playing for a high school coach, Earl Hawkins, who had a 6'8 kid um, who, who uh, in, in those days, you're talking about 6'6 six, six in, in high school, 6'5 and above, you're going to be with your back to the basket. But I played in not only for a, a coach in Earl Hawkins, but in that whole league, I played against guys like Mike Tate, Byron Tucker. These guys, um, um, Brian Davis, these guys are 6'7", six, 6'8", six, 6'9", and above, but able to play out on the perimeter as well as around the basket. So being used to uh, uh, being allowed to play with that versatility uh, really helped me, really helped my game blossom, and I think really helped this area. We, we were lucky enough in my generation to play with, for some fantastic coaches. Maybe they weren't, were not uh, lucky enough to make it to the NBA or what have you, but the knowledge of the game that they had and, and the way they implemented that, that into us and, and then we took it to another level. Uh, the guys that I mentioned, some of them, a lot of them didn't go to the, to, to the NBA, but they were certainly high major D1 players. We're talking about public school. So throwing a rock distance, 
You know, it was at least one guy, maybe two or three major D1 guys on every public school team. You know, so it wasn't you recruiting guys to come. It was in your area and walking distance. I walk around the corner. We got a major D1 dude right here, you know. And so uh, that's, that's what I was used to. And uh, so it was, it was a seamless transition for me coming into college uh, to, to, to just keep, keep growing. I was lucky enough to, to be a, a, a high-level player in the high school, in the high school ranks. But still, when I got to college, I was still, my, my uh, growth was still happening. And I credit that to uh, um, uh, the coaches that I had in, in, in my life, but also the competition that I played against. And that also led to, leads to the coaches that they had, because uh, like I said, they allowed those guys to have that versatility. And so it, it really expanded my game and, and allowed me to uh, get to the college level and even get better. Well, you're an incredible ambassador, not only for your area in terms of basketball, but for Maryland as well. And I think one of the things that always makes me excited to know we're about to have a home game is when you walk in the building and you're walking around smiling, talking to everybody, fans, people that have worked there for years. You're jumping on the radio with Chris and Johnny. What keeps you coming back every year um, to do those things at Maryland? Man, uh, my time at Maryland was just so much fun. I had a great, great time. Relationships that's to last that last to this day. I got a, um, a, a vine, a text vine with about probably 17, 18 guys that I played with from 88 to 92 uh, right now to this day. You know, and so it was some relationships that I developed there, family, you know, that, that lasted, uh, that lasts a lifetime. And so uh, that was one of the most uh, fun times in my life. And uh, I, want ju- I just want to be a part of uh, being, uh, that being an experience for, for all of the guys that's there. And so if I can help in any way, if I can help these kids grow on and off the court, that's what I want to be a part of. Um, it's just a, just a, a pleasure to to uh, be able to uh, inspire the youth and and uh, so many talk about how the youth don't have this or they don't have that, but I'm inspired by them. I mean, you you know, look at the social issues that's going on now, and I mean, the young people are really stepping to the forefront. You got to give it up, you know, and, and that inspires me. I want to give them all the knowledge that I have so that they can take it to the next level. Well, you have one of the best seats in the house. I mean, looking just you know, back across the years that you've been on, on the radio crew, what are some of those just games you, you, you remember from Xfinity or, or Cole or wherever it was um, that you've just, you, you've enjoyed or been at the top of your uh, experiences um, watching Maryland basketball these past few years? Oh, man, it's been so many games, man. I mean, you know, big games with uh, uh, Mello, Trimble, uh, you know, Jake Lehman. I mean, it's just been so many games. It's hard for me to single uh, any out, but I can just tell you just being on the floor and being that close to the action, uh, you really get a sense of almost being out there with them. Uh, You can really feel the energy of the crowd as if you're on the court with them. And so uh, it's been a great experience for me, not only to be that up close and personal with the players, but to get an, uh, an opportunity to be in the huddles and hear uh, how the coaches or see how the coaches are interacting with the players and, and hearing the things that they uh, bestowing upon them and uh, and just watching the, the guys, they, they growth over time. I mean, uh, you, you take someone like, uh, let's say, as most recent, uh, uh, Jalen Smith. 
I mean, it's just a, it was just a, an amazing experience to see him grow over these past two years. This, the really skinny, lanky kid, and and just getting pushed around. But just you could just see so much talent, and then you see him the following year being able to take the bump and finish like he like he could, and and being one of the go to. Uh, guys along with Cowan down the stretch. So, uh, you know, things like that, just seeing the growth. I, you know, as a player, I always was puzzled by hearing a coach go, man, I love practice even more than a game. That was always crazy to me as a player. I'm like, who cares about practice, man? Let's get these games going. But but now when you're on the other side of the table and you're, you're teaching and you're seeing that growth, I understand absolutely uh, uh, what they talk about when they say things like that because it's so much fun to see the growth in, in the players. And, and so I, I love to see that and I get a bird's eye view uh, sitting up close and personal with the radio uh, the radio uh, team. I think one of the things you can most tell when it's a great play or someone does a good thing is is – Johnny is calling the play and you almost are just making like a noise behind you. You're like, it is one of my favorite things. Take I always get in trouble for that, man. <laughs> no, keep, keep, it, keep it going, Walt. The people love it. Keep yeah, it going. Don't worry uh, about it. What is it. What is it like for you to work with Johnny and Chris night in and night out? Um, two guys that have done it for a really long time. You guys just always seem like you're having a lot of fun on that broadcast. Well, we, we are, man. You know, it's, it's awesome to work with uh, such class guys and uh, genuine guys, man. They, they, they are some good people. Um, they, they give me so much knowledge. They help me along. And it's, it's a pleasure. Uh, you know, we, we, we sit there and we, we hear you, you hear the finished product and what these guys are saying. But you know, you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes and, and how much uh, commotion is happening. And these guys are, uh, you know, just smooth with it and, and, and just handle their, uh, their business so professionally. And it, it's awesome. Uh, to see them work, but also, you know, when I'm when you're talking about uh, uh, Johnny Johnny Holiday, who's been around forever, um, I remember as a player, um, not really paying attention to who's interviewing you or what have you, but it was a feeling when whenever he interviewed you, um, and as a as a uh, when when removed from that situation and look looking back on it in retrospect, it was a feeling of of comfortability that he, he gives because um, he's, he's genuine and, and he's a good person. He's not fine, trying to uh, trap you into things and get the story and, and having that type of angle, which, you know, most reporters, they, they're like that. They're trying to get that story and, and, and make it happen like that. Johnny was never like that. And he always gave you that feeling as a player that you can be comfortable with him. And uh, and, and now to be able to work with him is, is just such a pleasure. And, and him and Naki, man, those guys are class acts and, and they're at the top of the class in, in, in this in this genre. And so it's a pleasure to be able to learn from, from the, uh, the best in the game. Well, anybody listening might not be able to see it, but you've got the Lessons with Lenny, the book that you, Lessons from Lenny, excuse me, yeah. the book that you co-authored with Tony Massenburg here in the background. Um, I mean, you oh, we have to, we're recording this. Happy birthday to Tony Massenburg, Keith. That's right. Yes. Happy birthday, birthday. birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday man. <laughs> uh, but yes. you've been one of Len's greatest champions. I mean, describe the impact that he had on your life and then just the, the kind of response that you've gotten from people who have read the book, um, you know, over these past couple of years, however long it's been. Um, you know, just the, the stories that you guys shared. Man, it's been it's been a great response. Um, you know, people laugh, people uh, remember the days, people cry because it's just just sad times to remember those days. Uh, Lenny was just 
uh, so beloved here. I mean, we he was uh, almost like family to everyone. Everybody just wanted so much success for him. And uh, uh, the, the tragic story of of him uh, his, of his life ending, it, it was just devastating to to the area. Uh, but for me and Tony Massenberg, uh, uh, you know, once we uh, um, Left, left the University of Maryland and the, and the NBA. We would get together and we hang out and talk about the good old days. We would always talk about, we would always talk about Lynn Bias at some point and how dominant he was and how much we loved him. And we realized that, man, we, this guy had a big impact on us. And people know only about his, the, the, uh, the tragedy surrounding his death. Most don't know the impact that he had on this community. Um, I know, like, for myself, I grew up a Georgetown Hoya fan as a young kid. And my my dad was a North Carolina Tar Heel fan. He took me to a, uh, a Tar Heel Turp game one time, and I saw Lynn Bias, man. I saw that jumper, that beautiful jumper. And uh, from that point on, I would find myself, uh, you know, watching a sports machine or something, George Michael, what have you, and looking for some Lynn Bias highlights. And next thing you know, I started watching Turp games more than Hoya games. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm a full-fledged Turp fan be- because of him. And uh, we would often go out on the blacktop and play play pickup games. And that's that's my 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 uh, basis from. That's that's my background. That's that's my that's my basketball uh, base. And and I remember as kids, we would go out there and pretend like we were somebody that day. And I would always call out Lynn Bias's name and pretend to be him that day. And that had a lasting impact on me, a lasting impression because um, that's, that's what I did think about when um, I committed to the University of Maryland. I did think about what if, what if the kids in my neighborhood, you know, when they go out on the, on a, out on the blacktop, what if they pretend like they, they are me? That's, that's what I wanted. That's the type of impact he had on me. Not only uh, is, it, is it a basketball story, though, it's also about the impact that he had on laws, um, the impact that he had on uh, uh, the university and its, uh, its success or uh, increasing help for student athletes, student athletes and, and increasing uh, the graduation rate, uh, those type of things. And so just wanted to show uh, that his life wasn't just uh, the tragedy surrounding his death. He had so much more of an impact uh, because he was just such a great player and so humbled off the court as well. And so we wanted to touch upon uh, those things. We talked about this a little bit before we started this, Walt, but you've gotten the chance now for this really entire summer has been almost a re-education for a lot of the country on how great of a player Len Bias was coming off the Last Dance documentary and all the different things the different networks have done. What's that been like for you to watch all these people see, as you say, that beautiful jumper for the first time <laughs> in terms of long form. You see the YouTube clips. You know, we've all seen the, the reverse dunk, but to see those full games. I know me and Keith, I can speak for me and Keith. Yeah. We say, I mean, it's a pretty incredible experience to see. What's that been like for you to watch other people be like, oh, man, this guy was unbelievable. <laughs> well, I know for me personally, my sons get to see him because they've been hearing me talk about him for years and years <laughs> and years. And so finally they got an opportunity. They've seen highlights, but they finally got an opportunity to, like you said, see a full game and, and just all of the things that – um, he would do that didn't that that wasn't necessarily highlight worthy, but just uh, just his dominance in the game. So it was just awesome for my kids to be able to experience that, and and also just the younger generation. 
Um, you talk about a guy like Michael Jordan, who he was being compared to. And when Michael Jordan went to the NBA level, you see so many guys that come behind that you say, oh, man, he mimics Michael Jordan or he reminds me of Michael Jordan. At, at, of, of course, not to that level, but the, the way he played the game, the style of play or something to that effect. And you see many players uh, in the league that um, they are there because of that style of play. Uh, mimicking the way Michael Jordan's approach to the game. Uh, what I think is lost is that I think Lynn Bias certainly would have had that same impact had he had the opportunity to play in the NBA because it's unfortunate that he didn't because uh, over the years, I mean, even even to this day, watching the game, uh, playing any game back in the day, I don't ever remember leaving the basketball court and saying to myself, man, you know what? That guy reminded me of Lynn Bias. Not one person, and so that that's 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 a uh, man. That's 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 a tough thing, a tough pill to swallow, because he was a he was such a great player. You see the game now, where you see big guys starting to move away from the basket and, and shoot the ball from the outside. Lynn Bias was one of those type of guys uh, back in the uh, mid to early to mid '80s, you know, and so he certainly would have had an impact on the game, and he certainly would have been a part of uh, the new generation uh, mimicking his style of play and. and having an imprint on the game and changing the style of play. So I think that was lost and, or at the very least delayed considerably uh, because he never had that opportunity uh, uh, to play at that level. That's a guy that, that knows the impact of Bias pretty well, which is why you need to pick up that book, Lessons from Lenny. I think, I think that's, I think that's the, the advertisement right there. Great read, man, right there. That was an accident. You know, it just kind of sits there. <laughs> and, you know, we just fell into it. <laughs> well, we'll get you out of here on this, on this last question. We've, we've had a couple of, of, of Maryland people on during our sort of going back and looking at records. You had Mike Jones on. We had Len Elmore. And we asked him this, your all-time Maryland starting five. All-time. Oh, man. Um, that's going to be tough. I'm going to say myself. There it is. Lynn Bias. I had a feeling he'd um, be in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. Um, uh, oh, man, this is tough. Um, John Lucas. Um, we have three. Tom McMillan. We got four. Because we got to cover positions too, you know. We got to do a little bit of that in this right here. And then my fifth person would be Adrian Branch, man. I mean, you know, wow, this is not necessarily just all these stats and all these accolades and things. It's just my field and my, <laughs> you know, I love Adrian Branch, man. I just thought that dude was phenomenal versatility out the wazoo, man. And so I love his game. So him and Lynn Bias. Myself, John Lucas, and I'm gonna go with Tom McMillan. Tom, you know, people don't know about Tom McMillan, man. That dude used to get buckets. He's high in, in terms of uh, the points and, and and how he used to score. He only played in eighty something games, man. So everybody who's ahead of him played in probably at least a hundred and something games. So you know, I think he's very underrated in in, in that respect. I'll tell you what, that team can absolutely fill it up. That is, that is a scorer's team right there. <laughs> we, not, not, we might not be a great defensive team, but you're going to have to hey, score that day. I'll you're you're going to have to score, man. <laughs> we need that team, that five, and then the other five, Maryland five, can be what? Joe Smith, Juan, <laughs> Len Elmore. Who else? What, two other guys we fill up in there, Keith. Bravest I mean, Vasquez. Good Steve Blake or Bra Vasquez I mean, out there. That's, yeah. And that's why this is a hard question because you can just <laughs> play a great game. 
That's a, that's a fantastic answer. Walt Williams, thanks for so much for giving us so much of your time. Uh, we can't wait to see you back at Xfinity Center, hopefully sooner rather than later once we get through all of the different things going on and watching Maryland basketball. We know you're going to be the happiest person in the building. So can't wait <laughs> to see you. Thank you so much. Hey, man, we got to give a shout-out to my boy Ernie Graham too, man. You know that 44 he put up. That dude, yes. man. And, he's still got that record. Right yes. That record's not getting broken anytime and if, so. and if we don't, my my former high school classmate, John Graham, will get all over us. If we don't. <laughs> so there you go. There Good you job go. to get Ernie in there. Thank you, Walt. All right, man. Thank you, fellas. Thanks, Walt. Back here on Hear the Turtle, presented by Toyota. Thanks once again to Walt Williams. Came at you courtesy of our friends at Chesapeake Employers Insurance and our Maryland Record Breaker Series. Great marketing done by the wizard, the lessons with Lenny book, the one he has with former Maryland great as well, Tony Massenberg about Len bias right behind him. That whole interview guy knows what he's doing. Um, and you can tell how sort of tied into this local basketball scene biases on so many of these guys that you talk to and not just that went to Maryland, that went to all these different schools and, and we're all across the country. And Walt has such an interesting perspective um, in that sort of PG County DMV basketball scene with the history of, of Len bias and then sort of stretching through to where Walt's watching these guys like Anthony Cowan and Mello Trimble um, and all these guys almost kind of extend his legacy on as a player from that area. So pretty cool to hear him talk about all that stuff. And Taylor, hand up. And, you know, I'm not proud to admit this. I haven't read Lessons with Lenny yet. So I haven't either. I haven't I, either. I, I think you and I maybe towards the end of 2020 here, maybe we're getting into the holidays as our, our schedules wind down a little bit. Things get a little less busy. I think you and I need to, to get our hands on a copy of Lessons with Lenny, read it, do a little book report, and maybe we get Walt and Tony Mastenberg back sure. on the pod, talk about it a little bit, shoot some things back and forth. They've obviously promoted the book uh, a ton um, since it was it was released last year uh, and done a bunch of media appearances and whatnot. But hey, why not one more with, with you and me? I think sure. And we can talk to Tony about a ton of other different things too. Absolutely. The guy who played for like every NBA team. So we have not had him on this show. We have uh, not had him on the show. He has certainly been, we have certainly talked about him having on the show, but we need to have him on and bandy about, about that book. When you and I can learn a couple of things about about Len Bias and the, and the history there. And I'm sure those guys would love to come on and talk about it. They talk so – they see it on their Twitter too. They talk so passionately about the effect that Len Bias had on them. Um, and Tony and Walter are, are two good stand-up guys. So always we always love having guys like that on the show, guys and gals on like that on the show. Um, so great stuff uh, from The Wizard. Make sure to go back and listen to all of our other – uh, record breaker series interviews. Len Elmore was fantastic. We had Gravis uh, Vasquez on the show. Really awesome stuff from Mike Jones as well, um, talking about his career. And then Derek and Cedric Lewis, the block party of a podcast we had with them, the two best shot blocking artists in Maryland history. And as you're listening to this podcast today, uh, Monday, October 19th, make sure you head over to the App Store or Google Play Store, whatever, you, wherever you get your apps and download the One Maryland mobile app, the official app of Maryland Athletics launching today. Your latest scores, schedules, news, releases, video content, exclusive content, all the things you need as a Maryland fan is now available on a phone application. So Taylor, make sure I hopefully uh, by this time I will have downloaded. Had, you've well, had this thing downloaded. You're cruising through it of the th content that's on there. You can get access to hear the turtle also on the app. So you right. have to go in business for ourselves, jump in and, and listen. It'll take you right to the website. And then you can go out to whatever um, platform you want to listen to us on. But um, a, a great thing to have if you're a Maryland fan um, and it's sort of your one-stop shop 
um, for all the different content that we're putting out. And Keith is at the center of that. We'll give him his props. He is, he is helping out with that uh, effort. So uh, not only a podcast, man, he's a, he's a tech man through <laughs> this place. Call you, Marilyn. So. Listen, I think our podcast is everywhere at this point. I, I think you, if, if you don't know where to go or how to listen to it or how to download it, I mean, I, I think we're, we're, we're covered. Our bases are covered on where you can listen to, to Hear the Turtle. For sure. And now with sports coming back, there's going to be even more Hear the Turtle as football begins on Saturday against Northwestern. That didn't come to me for a second. Northwestern. Northwestern, Minnesota is such a weird opening. Normally it's like, all right, let's roll out with Towson and then we'll move into something else. Rolling right into Big Ten play is something else. So uh, we will see the Terps um, on Saturday take on Northwestern at 730 and we will have all of your football coverage as we move through the season um, on Here the Turtle. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media channels to get all the alerts about all those things on Twitter and Instagram at Here the Turtle. You can follow Keith at Sneds311. You can follow me at Taylor Smite 10. And we will see you next time on Here the Turtle presented by Toyota. Go Terps. <laughs>